Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger podcast. So I have a really great episode for you today, and I'm always a fan of conversations with people which feel very like full circle. So today's guest is Nitsan Raider, who is an influencer extraordinaire, the founder of Mind Your Business, The Course, and then of course, Mind Your Business, The Planner, which I'm sure you guys have seen all over Instagram and TikTok. So fun fact, Nitsan and I connected years ago at the beginning of her and mine, um, influencer slash content creator journeys. And back then she was actually working at a beauty brand and she contacted me, um, to gift me product. And, you know, I've followed her since then, like back in the day, I'm talking like 2016 to where she is now. So it's been really cool for me to watch a fellow Toronto girl's evolution and success. And, you know, I've been cheering her on from the sidelines. And so it's been really exciting for me to bring her on the podcast and have her share all her tips and tricks because I was following her from when she was at under 10,000 followers on Instagram to now, I think she's at like 300,000 or something like that. And with like a very robust audience on both TikTok and YouTube as well. So super, super cool story. Today's episode, we go over all her tips and tricks on content creation from how she views all the different platforms and how she presents her content in each platform. She's very smart, I must say, to her tips and tricks for pitching brands, monetizing your content. Um, We talk about her course, Mind Your Business, in which, of course, she teaches people how to monetize your content and kind of start your journey as an influencer. I think it really fills a white space, which no one had quite done prior to her actually doing it. And then of course we get into talking about her planner, the Mind Your Business Planner, which is epic. It's actually been a hot tip for me in the past. I'm a customer, love the product organically. And I was thrilled when she brought me a new planner because (laughs) I just ran out of pages on my old one. So it is an awesome conversation, which I think you guys will really, really enjoy. 
Before we dive into the episode, this week's hot tip is the dough drip. So I'm specifically talking about the chocolate hazelnut one, which is essentially a cleaner version of Nutella. I put this drip on truly everything from strawberries to yogurt to sometimes, honestly, I eat it with a spoon and I'm not even ashamed to admit it. Um, Doe also just sent me two of their other flavors, the Speculos and I believe it's the birthday cake. I've not tried either of them because they came in last night and I was like, I'm not going to do this at, you know, 8 PM, but I'm really excited to try it. And I have a feeling it's going to be hot tip (laughs) again very soon. But Doe has also kindly shared a code. If you do want to use it, you'll get 20% off, you can use SIF20 at checkout. And trust me, guys, don't sleep on this. It is truly one of my favorite dessert products and you guys are going to love it. All right. So this week's review comes to us from Hens and she says, great host and great podcast. I love SIF and listening to her podcast, especially the ones about health and wellness, as it really helps me reflect on my own self and make positive changes or use tips that I can add to my current routines. She is a down to earth host and I highly recommend her podcast. All content is very relatable or just allows you to expand on your own knowledge. Thank you so much, Hens. And guys, I've said this before, but if you do have a couple of minutes and feel like the show has brought you value, please take the time to write me a review and rate the show. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcast app, scroll to the bottom where it says rate and review the show. Please leave me a five-star rating if you feel like I have deserved it and leave me a review. Tell me what you like about the show, what you want to see more of, dream guests. Literally, your feedback helps shape this show, so I appreciate anything you tell me. So with that, let's welcome Neetsan to the Dream Bigger podcast. Okay, so I have lots of questions for you. I'm ready. I'm I'm an open book. So excited. So you know, I followed your journey. We've known each other since you worked at a makeup brand pre blowing up all of that. So I don't want to talk to you about how you got into content creation. But do you remember the time when you were ready to go full time on your own? Like, did you have a sizable audience? Like what, like what, what made you decide to take that leap? Cause it's kind of scary. I always get asked this question and I do remember the time. I don't think I'll ever forget it. I remember being in that like period in my life where mm-hmm. I knew something just wasn't feeling right in my gut. And I've just gotten to a point where it was really tough to manage both a nine to five and my platform. I was under 10,000 followers though. So, I mean, it depends how you want to look at it. I do think it's sizable because I think you can monetize your social media no matter at what point you're at. But I just decided to trust my gut and bet on myself. And mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I have a degree. I have work experience now. I had a feeling that this industry is happening right now. And I'm going to regret just not taking a chance myself. And I just went for it, honestly. Given that at the time, though, I was living at home. So mm-hmm. I wasn't paying rent. I wasn't, you know, buying my groceries. So my circumstances allowed me to take that leap of faith. But at the same time, I think you know, I wasn't really making any money at that point from Instagram. Like I had a few deals here and there, but it really pushed me to be like, okay, well, if I'm about to quit my nine to five job as a marketing manager that I worked my butt off for, for so long and invested so much time in, I better do this right. And Mm -hmm. I better start making money fast. Honestly, I am firmly of the belief that your business gives to you what you give to it. And that was my philosophy as well. When I quit my job to go full time with my old blog, I was like, it was a risk for sure. And like, I was not making any money because this was like the year like 2016, pre like (laughs) 
you know, pre anything, pre anything, you know, it was a wild, wild west. But yeah. I feel like you have to take a chance on yourself. And like, I think also when you have nothing like no backup, it's like a fire under your ass. Like you, you don't have a plan B. Oh, this is what I tell everyone. I think when you're uncomfortable or rather when you're comfortable and you're working a nine to five or you have a steady income, I just do not believe that you will push yourself as hard as you would if you had no backup and you had no plan B and you were uncomfortable. It's when you're in those stages in life or those situations that it makes you really have to get your shit together. Excuse my French, because it's this or you go back to where you were. Yeah. hundred percent. And like, that's like a scary thought, you yeah. know, and I don't think anyone wants to go back to that. And like, I remember having the same like epiphany when it came to array, like I was actually telling Nish about it like last month where I remember it was like summer 2020 and like, you know, Array had like grown like pretty sizably in like the four or five months that we launched it. But I had this like epiphany where I was like, if I don't hustle to make this company like a real thing, then I have to go back. Like I have to go back and I don't know what that'll look like, but like I won't be running a company anymore. So I feel like when you have like, I don't know, when you like really put yourself out there, you don't have a choice. You just have to make it work. Yeah, I agree. So you, you quit your job under 10K following. What happens? Because, like, I think it's been really cool for me to kind of watch your journey. There's been, like, a few girls who I've, like, followed right from the beginning, like, since Beauty Rewritten. Yeah. It's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so how do you go from that to, like, what, you're over 300,000 just on Instagram now? And, like, you have TikTok and you have YouTube and you have an incredibly engaged audience as well. I must say it's not just numbers, right? Like, it's Thank like you. your audience gives a shit and it shows. So what was the tipping point there? Like, do you feel like you remember moments where it was like, holy shit? Absolutely. It's also, it's funny to me to hear this from someone else because I think personally, I will always feel like I've never like made it yet. And I generally think so. I feel like I've just maybe like scratching the surface of like what I want to do with my life and where I want to take it. So for me, I still feel like I'm at the beginning and it's been so fun that it morphs into like one memory of one year. But before I quit my job, I was supposed to go to New York Fashion Week actually Mm -hmm. with the company I was working with. And I was so excited. I did not know what New York Fashion Week was, but I knew I wanted to go. That's all I knew. And when I quit, a consideration was, well, I'm giving up New York Fashion Week. Am I really ready? Like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. And when I quit, I said, you know what? I'm going to go to New York Fashion Week. What that looks like, I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. And I just will never forget this one trip because it was two weeks after I quit. Again, like under 10,000 followers. I downloaded the New York Fashion Week schedule off the website and just pitched myself from everything I learned in business school, everything I learned at my job. I really had nothing to lose at that point. And... I ended up securing like a takeover backstage for a company, a clothing company I loved at the time. It was Sabo Skirt. For me, it was like the biggest deal. Like in 2016 or 2017, they were they were were, like the Aritzia of Toronto. You know, like they were huge. And the fact that I was like backstage taking over, that was a moment that it's not even like the opportunity or the brand name that I remember, but it's how I felt in that moment. I was literally like to myself something. It's been two weeks and look what I can do when I put my mind to something. And that was or that still is a story or a memory I always go back to when I feel, you know, defeated because everything in this industry comes in waves with engagement, with growth, with opportunities and campaigns. I always think back to this and I just remember how motivated I felt, how I had nothing to lose. I always say the early days are so much fun because you're just like no one knows who you are. You don't have to prove anything. 
you just are having fun and going after what you want. And I just go back to that feeling every time something gets hard. This episode is brought to you by Waterdrop, the new go-to hydration brand. So guys, I am a water fiend. If I get dehydrated, I become totally non-functional. I actually talked about being super dehydrated before my breast reduction surgery because I wasn't able to drink water before getting anesthesia. And let me tell you, it was one of the worst experiences of my life. So yeah, that was a bit of an extreme circumstance, but even on a daily basis, if I'm not getting the right amount of water, I feel super foggy and sleepy and I'm basically not able to get any work done. And with it being summer, it's so important for us to be extra careful about how much water we're drinking. Enter water drop. The most common thing I hear from my friends who don't drink enough water is that they don't like the taste of water. Well, water drops out of that. They've created these small and convenient effervescent cubes that add flavor and vitamins to your water, which are easy to use even on the go. These cubes, I'm telling you, they're tiny. You can just stick it into your bag and take it on the go, put it into your water whenever you need. They have a ton of flavors from berry and fruity to citrusy and herbal. My personal favorite is the sky flavor, which tastes like passion fruit, pink berry, and cactus fruit. It's super refreshing, especially in cold water. I'm telling you, chef's kiss. Waterdrop is really committed to sustainability. The brand was started to encourage hydration, but without creating another bottled or canned product. To reduce single-use plastic bottles, they also offer glass and steel bottles in a ton of different designs. I'm currently using their steel bottle in this super pretty shade of mint and it keeps my water ice cold for up to 24 hours. Head to the Waterdrop website and use the code DREAMBIGGER for a special 15% discount. Browse their collection of micro drinks, glasses, steel bottles, carafes, glasses, and more. Enjoy! Hello, beautiful people. It's Renee Blewett, and I am your host for the She Did That podcast. Have you ever wondered how your favorite women founders are building these beautiful brands and legacies? Whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, already on your journey, or just someone who wants to learn from the best to ever do it, this is the podcast for you. Every week, I'll introduce you to powerhouse entrepreneurs, creatives, and innovators who are carving their own paths with love, resilience, and bold ambitions. Be sure to subscribe now so you don't miss a thing. People are often scared to put themselves out yeah. there like that. And it's true. Like, I think you, you just have to take your chances and go for it. So yeah. I think it's yeah. really awesome that you did that. So talk to me about, like, you did this, you know, New York Fashion Week circuit. Did you notice a period of, like, growth or, like, virality afterwards? Or, like, what did that whole journey look like to you? Because, you know, someone lands on your page and they're like oh my god like you know look at her she's like really made it in the social media scene what was that period like because I'm just trying to understand like what was like what were the different things that happened to get you from like under 10k like micro nano yeah to a real macro like force in social media I want to answer that in two ways because yeah. in, in one in one aspect it's I really don't remember ever being like wow I'm blowing up I'm going I'm making it I was always or still, like, always in the kind of mindset of I still have to prove myself. I still have to work my butt off. Sign of I a still, good entrepreneur. I, like, it's never good enough. And you know what? I'm working on celebrating smaller milestones too. But 
in terms of what I did, it's there really was no information mm-hmm. on how to monetize your social media. And I went to business school, I graduated as a marketing major, then I worked, you know, for a Canadian beauty startup at the time as a marketing manager. And I've learned so much about the other side of the industry. I knew what I like to work with, with bloggers. I mean, I was running campaigns or building campaigns, you know, building the brand social media, collaborating with different influencers. And I knew what I wanted on the brand side. So I was like, you know what, let me give what I want as a content creator to the brands that I'm reaching out to. Mm -hmm. And it's all these strategies that I used on the brand side, I implemented and reversed towards my content and really looking at myself as a brand. And, you know, this is why I ended up launching my course, Mind Your Business, because I realized there was such a gap in the industry about creator information. And it's literally a, a job and a career that you have at your fingertips. Anyone's able to do this if they're dedicated to it and just follow their passion, whatever the content's about. And I recognized that gap and was like, this is what I did to get started because it's so much more than even what I can answer in a question, whether it's reaching out to brands, knowing how much to charge, how to negotiate different tips, like bundling when you reach out to a brand and you know what that looks like and why long-term partnerships are successful. There's so much insight that even over the years I was able to accumulate that to answer that question, it's really why I ended up launching the course. I mean, I've your course is incredible and I want to get all the way into it because I think that there was there was such a white space and I felt yeah. like the information was really limited. I mean, you, you have courses on like literally everything under the sun, but what you did, I don't think that any anyone had really like decoded what was going on behind the scenes and like yeah. all things influencers. So I definitely want to get into that as well and like see if you can give people some like tips and takeaways so that they can go take the course. But one thing I want to talk to you about is building quality audience, okay? Because I think that there's one thing that you just have the numbers and the other is to have sellability. And I think Mm -hmm. that you actually have selling power, right? And we've seen that because you've successfully launched a course and a planner. You know, I'm a customer. (laughs) So it clearly works. Yeah. So what are some tips that you can give to someone like one or two to kind of nurture a high quality connection with their audience? I mean, the first one, I know it's going to sound really cheesy, but it's to be yourself Mm -hmm. because today the industry is really saturated. And a question I always get asked is, is it too late to start? Mm -hmm. And my answer is always no, if you're being yourself, Mm -hmm. don't go out there trying to, you know, replicate what's already done or try to, you know, be like someone else. I mean, you can get inspired by other people and there's content all around us, whether it's on Pinterest, on TikTok, on YouTube. I mean, TikTok is built on just recreating other people's trends, but it's your personality that shines through your content on TikTok, on Instagram, through your stories. And it's just finding your unique like quirk or your sense of humor or the way you style things or the way you like to cook and just going after that. And by being yourself, you're, you become relatable. Mm -hmm. The way I look at it is I really try to look at my community, like my friends, Mm -hmm. which is a very vulnerable place to be in or a mindset to have, because not everyone's your friend. And I mean, social media can be a little bit dark as well, but I just try to connect with them. And I think at one point where you start growing and really getting the numbers, you also grow, you know, your network who, you know, are watching you and, you know, like your peers in the industry, everyone's like taking a look, even like brands and you start creating content for what you think your peers want to see and the brands watching and not your community. 
And that's something that I've really focused on this year specifically is creating content and delivering value to my community and not caring about who knows my name now and who's watching. It's you just got to stay yourself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So smart. How do you feel like you've had to evolve your social media strategy based on where we are today versus where we were? Like the algorithms Mm -hmm. change, like a lot has changed. So how have you evolved your strategy and what tangible tips can you give to someone who's, I guess, new to the scene today? I think I've really realized I need to be where my audience is. So as much as... I think Instagram will always be the number one platform just in the sense of this is really how I believe the industry started. You know, bloggers hopped on Instagram. Every TikToker has an Instagram. Every YouTuber has an Instagram. That's where a lot of brands find you. It's where you connect with, you know, other creators, with your community. It's just the best way to to connect online. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At the same time, though, it's recognizing that there are other platforms. And for me, it was a multi-platform strategy that I you know, kind of created for myself and making sure the content is varied among those channels, but also giving people value in almost like a chain. So for example, like if I post something on Instagram, maybe the behind the scenes is on YouTube and maybe like a video snippet is on TikTok and kind of really letting people into my life across the channels where there are, where they spend their time on and making sure I'm on those platforms, like making sure, you know, video is huge over the last year specifically. So it's, okay, well, I know I'm used to creating content one way and shooting one way, but is this where the industry is right now or do I want to keep up with it and give people what they want? Mm -hmm. And what's challenging is sometimes you end up losing yourself in that process because it's such a fine line between doing, you know, keeping up with trends, but also being yourself and creating content that you're inspired by. Mm -hmm. So it looks different for everyone, but it's just playing around with things, trying, you know, new strategies and just different outlets of creativity and content that allow you to kind of find your groove. And that's what, you know, when it's from the heart and you genuinely enjoy it and you're being yourself, that's really where success comes from. I think it's so smart the way you've like strategized your content because I've like watched you on all different channels and I feel like it's not the same content. Like it's like what you're getting on TikTok is like completely different than what people see on Instagram. Obviously it's still you, but the content is just completely different. Like I like I've seen your like honeymoon outfits on yeah. TikTok and like just like the way you like the rating my honeymoon like that was such a yeah. cute video idea Thank you know you. like well first of all being married was like a part of my personality at this point <laughs> like I loved being a bride so much I've waited for that since I, since I was like four years old so it's like I'm just trying to keep my wedding content alive over here but it was dead. so much fun you know it's like even on the honeymoon I was like you know what I'm not gonna vlog because vlogging takes a lot of time I'm actually gonna dedicate this to creating fun TikToks and exploring this platform and documenting my journey and creating my sharing my memories on that platform and that's where like obviously I'm gonna shoot my outfit photo but let me show you the behind the scenes and let me show you a compilation of you know all these cute videos together to really give people the essence of what our trip was it's it's just so much fun okay I honestly like the fact that you said you loved being a bride can you like what Okay, Nish and I have to have a wedding next year, apparently, because, like, we really want to have a party. We never did. Yeah. What the hell? You liked being a bride. How was the planning process? Didn't you just die? I did. But you know what? We got engaged during COVID, and we got married during COVID, Uh and as much as we considered maybe pushing it off, we came to the conclusion that tomorrow's not promised, and we just want to get married and celebrate our love with the people we love, and even thinking of our grandparents. You just, you never know what could happen, Mm -hmm. and we just didn't want to delay it too much. 
But for me, the wedding was a creative outlet for me. And it was, it was very therapeutic. It was a Pinterest board. Come, I was like, what is like, – it's like it went 3D, the Pinterest board. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be honest, like don't get me wrong. Work was a lot over the last few years. I'm very fortunate that during COVID, work kept me very, very busy. So balancing that and a wedding was really tough. But because I wasn't able to – kind of like actualize my wedding dreams and fantasies ever since I was a child because of all the COVID restrictions, whether it was travel or whether it was having my family around or even bringing a friend to my dress fitting or Mm -hmm. having to wear a mask in all my videos. It was an outlet for me to share my excitement for the wedding and create content around it. And that's the part that I enjoyed the most because I get to look back on that now and just like share with my kids one day. And, you know, the wedding series on YouTube was so much fun and it was, I loved it. I honestly missed the wedding so much. Oh, my you know? so when I go into planning, I yeah. am, I'm here for you. Yeah. I'm, I, I got to talk to you. Yeah. I'll You're give you, girl. I'll give you my saver splurge tips because love it. yeah, love it. I I'm need here. all of the help because Nish and I were like, do we even want a wedding at this point? Because we were already married. We got married during COVID and all of that. But we're like, maybe we should have like a celebration. I'm always yes, sir. Because you only get married once. And I personally know friends too who got married during COVID and weren't able to, like as a girl, you want to be a bride. You Mm want to have that party and feel celebrated and just share your love with the people you love most. And, you know, any reason for a party today is good enough. Nish. Especially a wedding. Nish, are you listening? She's, she's pushed <laughs> me over me. the edge. <laughs> this is it. So let's talk about the course you launched. When did this even come into your mind? Like, did you always know you wanted to start a course? And I think, by the way, so smart. But like, how did this idea come into play? And like, how long did it take you from idea to execution? I never knew I wanted to launch a course, just like I never knew I wanted to be on Instagram and be a content creator. So for me, it was, you know, I started creating content, I started taking this seriously, and then I used to get so many questions, or I still do, about, well, how do I reach out to brands? How do I negotiate? How much do I charge? How do I secure long-term partnerships? What do I do? Growth tips, all that. And I would get these questions consistently for years, and it was actually on a drive to the airport to go to Paris in, I think it was 2019, that I was talking to my now husband, Josh, and we were like, you know what, you should put all this information into a course. I have so much that I'm able to share from, you know, experience on the brand side, experience on the creator side, the brands I've worked with, what worked for me, what didn't work for me, because that's so important too Mm -hmm. for success. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to brain dump everything that I would want to tell myself back like two years ago or three years ago. And it ended up, you know, being put together into specific modules and courses about everything from how to create content to what your Instagram handle should be to how to reach out to brands, knowing how much to charge because there is such a taboo in the industry about even talking about that. There's nowhere to get relatable or accurate information. Unless you have friends in the industry and you're like within it, that's when you can talk about rates. But like for like someone who's brand new, it's like literally it's so wild that this information isn't out there because it's like going into a job interview, right? Or like considering a career, but having no idea how much you should be asking yeah. for in terms of your salary. Like yeah. it's so hush hush, it's bizarre. I know. And it was, I actually tested my theory uh-huh. on like a group of girls. I did a whole kind of like beta testing on my formula, let's call it for mm-hmm. for rates. 
And I finally was able to put something together that people can use and know what to charge because it's not just about your audience. It's about your engagement. engagement yeah. And it's about your content and it's about what brand you're going after and mm-hmm. how do you know you know, when to charge your brand or where you sh- when you should accept a partnership on a contra basis. There's yeah. just so much to share. I don't know if you can tell how passionate I am about these topics, but the course just felt like such a natural passion project of mine and never was meant to be anything more than just a one-time course, you know, giving back to my community and, you know, creating this little like side project and just the success of it within one day was insane. And I was like, "Uh oh, (laughs) I think I just launched a business. (laughs) Whoops. And that was just what happened. Do you feel like your planner was a response to the course? Because it almost feels like, again, like I told you this off off air where like I think it was so like strategic and seamless that it it, first of all it made sense with your brand that like you were coming up with a planner but it also made sense because you just launched this course and then you had a planner so like was it always the plan or like also no for me I'm very intuitive or like I always listen to my intuition let's Mm -hmm. say and it just felt like the next thing was a planner because I also told you offline I'm so type A. Mm -hmm. I love planners. I love organization. And I would never find a planner on the market that gave me what I needed. Mm -hmm. It's either like not enough room on the page or I didn't have, you know, this type of layout or I didn't have my schedule. I couldn't figure out how to prioritize. And I would have like online, you know, to-do list and then a planner and a notebook. And I was like, okay, let me just create my own template on blind pieces of paper. And Mm -hmm. I would draw it out a month in advance. And after the course, you know, when it turned into a business and I had to grow my team, which was a whole other like thing you go through (laughs) as a business owner. It's the the real thing. You have to hire a team. I was like, okay, the next thing for me feels like it's going to be a planner because I need this. And when you create something that you need from a personal like want or need, it's going to be successful because there's other people like you out there that need your product. I literally just got out of a meeting and this is what I was speaking about that like every great product brand that I've seen comes out of the need of like the founder actually like seeing that there's like an issue that you need to solve and then wanting to go out and solve it yourself. But that's exactly it too. It's not going out and reinventing the wheel. It's even taking something that's out there and being like, okay, this doesn't work for me because X, Y, and Z. And if I was to create this, I would do ABC. So let me do that and let, let me make it the best possible product out there. Yeah, makes total sense. So talk to me about your launch strategy, because I think that like I think a lot of creators or like people who are maybe thinking about going into content creation and then maybe starting their own business can take things away from this, because I feel like your launch just made like it was just it made so much sense. You know, it wasn't salesy. It was just like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, she's obviously doing a planner. You know, it was one of those things. Like, and I remember thinking this when Lauren from the Skinny Confidential launched her ice roller as well. And I was like, yep, this makes total sense. And so what are some tips that you have for content creators who may be thinking of releasing a product line? Like any like very tangible, specific launch tips? I mean, for me, for a long time, I knew that I wanted to launch something. I just didn't know what. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, is it a shoe line? Is it a clothing company? Is it you know, skincare isn't makeup. And I honestly decided to just wait for something I'm passionate about Mm -hmm. because you don't want to go and just create something for the sake of creating in it, for creating it. You want to create something that you truly believe in and could fight for and stand by and that it's the best possible product out there. And I wasn't ready to make that commitment until I knew what the product was. So first it was the course. And I genuinely believed 
and I still do that this is the best course out there for anyone who wants to turn their social media into their business. And then was the planner. I wanted to create something that was the absolute best planner, whether you're a creator, whether you're a creative, an entrepreneur, a student, a mom, just the ultimate planner to help you mind your business and take control of your life. So it all comes from passion. And again, something that you feel is missing or something you want to create and you love so much. And it's not just going out there and starting a brand for the sake of starting a brand. Because when things get tough, you won't have that drive and that fire under your butt to fix things and push through. Yeah. Unless, you know, it all comes from your heart. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. What are some tips that you can share when it comes to going to market with the product? Like, do you feel like you did something that like really stuck? Because I feel like it had a virality factor. I mean, I probably shouldn't say this. And I wonder if my team is going to hate me for this. But by the time I think this episode is out, there may be something within the Mind Your Business brand that Ooh. could really answer this question. But it was... Again, it just came from such a place of me actually needing this product and using it. And like you said, it made sense with my content that Mm. I definitely teased it a little bit. You know, I showed sneak peeks. And I think a really important thing is even crowdsourcing within your community, really understanding what people think is missing. So we have a community at our fingertips as creators. You're able to ask your audience exactly what they want, exactly what they need, get their feedback, and also bring them along for the process. So whether it's little sneak peeks, like behind the scenes of you working on something and, you know, bringing them along for the journey so that when you do launch a product, it's not like, oh, hey, by the way, I've worked on this for a year, but here's a new product and you've never heard me talk about this before. But it's, hey, remember that one story I posted like three weeks ago? Remember that one meeting I brought you guys you know, along with a month ago, this is actually what I was working on. And now that I announced it, let me educate you in different ways throughout my content strategy on these multiple platforms about why I created it and why I believe in it so much and why you need it. I think what you said about tapping into this audience that we have at our fingertips is incredibly important. And like, I think everyone should kind of like take heed because when Array was like, at its like conception point and we had like our formula which I thought was perfect before we even went to market we focus grouped it with like a hundred different women and I think it was 70 or 80 of them were from my community and like how else do you tap into that you know and so I feel like this is like a superpower that I feel like all content creators even if like your audience isn't massive like you can always find people to like test out the product and like tease it to you know yeah For sure. I think you have such an advantage as a content creator because you're a marketer. Mm -hmm. You're marketing yourself. You're a brand because you just built your own personal brand and you already have an audience which you can question, you can talk to, you can get to know and communicate with. And that's all you really need to really understand, you know, who you're selling to. You essentially know your customers and you have them before you even have your product. That's an amazing advantage that a lot of brands don't have. Totally, totally. And like, it's it's not something that should be taken lightly or yeah. for granted at all, at all. Like it's it's really, it is a superpower and like it's, you make full use of it basically. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk about time management because you are on all of the platforms. And then on top of that, you have your planner, you have a course, you have yeah. presets. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Talk to me about time management. What does your calendar look like? I want to know everything. My cal- my calendar is color-coded. Love Because, again, type A. Yep. But, honestly, I'm no expert at time management. I think it's a constant struggle and, you know, trying to find what works for you. It looks different for everyone. For me, really, the planner helps me a lot because every day 
has my top three priorities. Mm -hmm. I have my schedule on the side. I have any other notes. I have a brain dump to write like everything that is going through my mind. And I built it in a way where even other planners on the market, it never gave you, you know, a look at the next week or the next month. It's always like day by day, you kind of just like write things down. And when I built the planner, I really wanted to create a system that helps me manage my time and helps me stay productive. And it's just helped me immensely being able to look at my week and plan ahead and be proactive, not just reactive. Yeah. Because a lot of the time with the nature of my job, things come up all the time. There's, you know, one meeting here, I have to edit content here, a brand wants a reshoot, a brand wants to get on a call. So your schedule is always in flux and it never no days ever the same. Yeah. So it's just finding a system that works for you, but it, it is hard. I mean, for me right now, the biggest struggle is I feel like I'm running two, or running two companies. I have two jobs. I have one job as a content creator where I have to constantly create content, bring people along on stories, keep them updated. And on the other hand, I now have a business, mind your business, where I have a team and, you know, I want to sit in on sales meetings and strategy. And it's really tough to balance it all. And then the presets, it's, it's definitely, you know, I'm trying to, I'm actually reading a book right now by reading a book. I mean, I'm four chapters in, what but it called? it's called The Essentialist. Yeah, I've read it. it. Yeah, yeah. I love, it's what is amazing. it, Greg McEwen, right? Yes. Yeah, I love him. It's an amazing book so far, and it's given me a lot of perspective on, you know, what do I really need to be involved in and what can I outsource? Yeah. Because that was a game changer for me as a content creator and really treating it like my business. It's where do I offer the most value or where is my time the most valuable and what can I outsource to someone else? And for me, the first thing was video editing. I could sit there and edit forever, but maybe I don't enjoy it. Maybe I don't have the patience. So let me hire someone and invest back into my business, you know, so someone else can do this and even do a better job at it than I can and free up my time to do something else. The best content creators, I think, like there's like a real takeaway here because the best content creators and the people I've seen who've like really done well is that they don't do all of the things they've actually treated you can't you can't and like you treat content creator creation like a business and like when it comes to a business like I'm not there with Array doing every single thing like you can't do that and it's just like not an optimal use of your time you're actually taking longer to do the things that you're bad at than like just outsourcing it and letting someone who's better just get it done and so by like hiring like giving video editing away it it lets you pour your energy and your creativity into something that you're actually really good at and like treating it like a business. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong though. It was a challenge. It's giving a part of you to someone else because as a content creator, my videos, my content, even to this day, I'm self-managed. So mm-hmm. even bringing on someone as a partnerships manager was tough because you're letting go of your baby or you're giving different mm-hmm. parts away to different people, but it's just realizing that you really can't do it all. And just trying to be involved as much as you can because everything you still want it to be an extension of you. Every yeah. video I put out there, I probably put final tweaks on it myself or jumped in and edited it myself or, you know, did 10 back and forths with my content editor to make sure it's exactly how I want it. But it's just realizing that you need to spend your time on what you need to do the most, which is creating content because no one else could be creating the content for you. It's yeah. your face. It's your name. It's your brand. And just begin to outsource the things that you either don't enjoy or aren't maybe as good at to someone else to just elevate your business. I read somewhere that when it comes to hiring for any business, whether that's like content creation or like an actual business, yeah, it's always a really scary and like 
just like, uh, like you have like 600 different thoughts before you actually do it and like hire someone and then you hire someone and then you're like, you almost don't want to give the work away because you don't trust that they're going to do as good a job as you are. Yeah. And I think this was from Reed Hoffman, who's like the founder of LinkedIn and I'm obsessed with him. But he was saying that like at the beginning, when you hand something over, they're probably not going to do as good a job as you are. But like you like no one's going to do it exactly like you. But if you give them time, they will probably end up doing it better than you would yeah. have anyway. You know, and I For feel sure. like just handing over that like just that trust I think is important as well, especially yeah. if you want to scale. You can't do it alone. It's definitely tough, but you're right. It's really finding people who are motivated, who are willing to wear many different hats because when you start building your team, you know, you might not even have the funds to hire all the roles that you want. And mm-hmm. it's, it's really treating your company like a startup. It's, you know, as the founder too, you have to get down and dirty with your team totally. and do whatever it takes. And you want people who are motivated, who have a good attitude and are willing to learn and willing to even challenge you because, you know, you want people around you who can not just like compliment you all the yeah, time and say like, fucking oh, yes, man, no, that's not you what want, you want. You want people to help you elevate your business and to have solutions and also recognize problems and be able to have, you know, really good communication with with each other just about you know what is the next step and what's the best solution but it's just finding people like that that you can mold them into the perfect role with just some trust and guidance yeah when we interview I always say that like if you're not debating with me you don't belong on our team yeah because like I know I'm not the best at everything and like if you have a different opinion then like you should be able to voice that and like correct me when I'm wrong and like you your business is never going to go to new heights if you have all yes men around you like how what is like constructive criticism then it doesn't even exist you know so it's really important I completely agree how did you go about hiring your team like who was the first hire that you made so it was honestly not accidental, but kind of like I said, the first step for me was video editing and mm-hmm. it wasn't a full-time role or mm-hmm. anything like that. It's just, you know, hey, let me try to outsource mm-hmm. YouTube specifically because YouTube, I could be there for days and I'm such a perfectionist. I'd it's spend like two days on YouTube, like putting the perfect text in the perfect location. It's like, I can't do this anymore. So it was finding a content editor. So it wasn't even like really an interview process. Mm-hmm. I'm really big on seeing people's editing style. So Mm -hmm. I actually had footage from a Topshop photo shoot I did like a few months back. I was like, here's the footage, make something out of it. And I was really trying to see like, do they know my style? Mm -hmm. Like what's their editing, you know, style like? And I found a great editor who then, you know, I really grew to like. And then when COVID hit, I needed someone to shoot with because, Mm -hmm. you know, you couldn't just like travel the world anymore. So we started shooting together and then it was like, you know what? this is really helping me. Let me try to do this as a part-time basis. Mm -hmm. And then it was, Hey, this is great. Let me, let's do this as a contractor basis. And Hey, you know what? I think it's time for payroll. (laughs) You're I'm adding someone else to the team. Let me try to grow my team for real. Mm -hmm. So it all came with baby steps. And I never like woke up one day and said, Hey, I need to hire a team around me, but it's just recognizing the areas where I knew I could get support. And I wanted to free up my time and thinking of where do I spend the most time where it's not the most valuable. And that's the kind of area that you want to hire someone for. Also, what you said about how you hired, super smart, because for us, and I learned this, by the way, from like another entrepreneur who's like way bigger than we are. She told me that 
she never hires someone right off the bat. It's always contract basis because you have to see if they're like a good fit for you. And yeah. I think like you actually unknowingly did that by like bringing someone on for one project and then it was like part time and then it was contract and then it was payroll. Like yeah. that's actually the sequence of events that needs to happen. Yeah. And it's also it feels like a little bit less risky for you because maybe you're not ready to make that commitment, but you want to try and see what it's like working with this person. And do you vibe? And you know, are you happy with their work? And, are, you know, is it adding value to your life or is it actually making your life more complicated? So I think that's an amazing tip that I didn't even realize was probably the sequence I should go by. It just kind of happened that way. But mm -hmm. you're right. Yeah, it, it's it's actually like one of the smartest things that I heard because, you know, right now, like, obviously, like we're scaling our business like we've we've like we're a team of 10 now. And wow. like it like this tip, I heard it. I want to say like she told me this like over a year ago now and it really stuck with me and now I'm like we don't hire people right off the bat like they're either doing a project for us or like coming on part time or like for like a like a specific period of time before we bring them on full time because you never know and like it just saves you from like you know having to fire someone which is just the fucking worst. But you know what's so funny that's how a brand thinks. And that's something I talk about in my course too. It's like recognizing the opportunities of maybe this brand is reaching out for something small. Mm -hmm. and maybe this brand is reaching out for a one partnership or one deal. But those things can turn into long-term partnerships if you deliver. Yes. Yes. So important. And like, I think that this is, it's such an interesting conversation because we're both like now brand and have mm -hmm. been on the influencer side. You still are. But like, this is how we think of doing our influencer partnerships. And I get asked this on like podcast interviews that like, oh, like who, like, how do you work with influencers? And I'm like, listen, like we first we see like organically who's talking about us, who likes us, who's vibing with yeah. us. And then from there, it's like, okay, you bring someone on for like one to two kind of things to see how it goes. And then for us, if like, it goes well. It's a year long. So I saw yeah. that in your course and I was like, this is so smart. She's like completely spot on. And from also like if you're a creator, you want those long term partnerships like you don't oh, want yeah. just like one time like people are smarter than that consumers, you know, the industry has changed so much and people see right through ads and there's just so much like partnerships and content and promotional messaging around you that it's because of the organic tags that you give a brand that they take notice and they start working with you and then comes a long-term partnership. And your audience sees that too. You know, they see you integrating this product into your life and then a partnership makes sense. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like it's an ad and people resonate with it more. But also as a creator, it's our job to figure out how do I make this the most organic and how do I integrate it into my content and what can I actually pitch the brand if what they're like asking for doesn't make sense and I know it's not going to work. It's really knowing your audience and knowing you know, how will they be the most receptive to this product? I so I remember like, like, well, you're working with 437 now, like pretty regularly. But mm -hmm. I remember when that partnership first happened and I was like, this makes so much sense. Like it just felt like such a natural progression. It's not even something that I questioned that like, oh, she's just doing it for money. And like sometimes you see that with creators where like, you know, that maybe they're not using that product. I've like never heard of it on their channel before. And all of a sudden it's like this like big deal or whatever it is. So I think like be like actually like taking on first of all partnerships that you give a fuck about and secondly yeah. like you know doing more long-term things I think is so important it's also so good for your bottom line because it gives you security as a creator you're basically a freelancer you know you take partnerships every month look 
looks different. And it's the long-term partnerships that give you stability and you kind of know, you know, how much to expect. And that's really what you want. Even when you're starting out, you want to pitch yourself for more deliverables or more months. And there's strategies to do this and strategies to get the brand to say yes and to show them your worth. But it's literally the name of the game. That that's what helps you sustain your business as this, a creator. This is why people need to take your course. <laughs> uh, yeah, basically. <laughs> okay, so I want to end the show with two things. First and foremost, I want three tips that you can give to someone who's starting out on, let's say, TikTok to grow their audience there. Like, what do you think works on that platform? Three tips. I think the first one I should give myself as well but it's consistency. People are more inclined to follow you when they consistently get content from you. That's how you stay top of mind. That's how you get your engagement up. And I know it gets tough even as you grow to make sure you're on all the platforms and creating content while your business is growing, but also at the start where you may still be at your nine to five, you may Mm -hmm. still, you know, not be a full-time creator, but you just have to do your best. And something I always say in my workshops is just give yourself a goal, whether it's three videos a week to start four videos a week or, you know, six story frames a day and hold yourself accountable for that and then add some more. Like don't go into it being like, I need to post every single day and I need 10 frames and I need one TikTok or four TikToks and one post and one YouTube video a month. It's just not possible. You have to slowly, you know, be on all those platforms and create the content. A second tip I would say is to engage back with your community. That's something, again, that This is all great reminders for me too. You know, you get busy and things come up, but it's so important to reply to people's comments, answer your DMs. I still get messages like, oh my God, I can't believe you answered me. Like I never get answered. And I just think to myself, how are creators not answering their community? You're nothing without the people that are supporting you. So put time in your calendar to, you know, engage with them and connect with them. And then the third one is to just, I don't want to say be yourself because that's what I said before, but probably to just put yourself out there and reach out to brands put as much as you can. Don't just wait for things to come in. Mm-hmm. It's really in your hands to turn this into your business. And you want to be proactive and you want to, you know, even set a goal for a month of how much you want to make. And now go make that happen. Because the second you set up, set a goal, whether it's how much you want to post or how often or how much you want to make a month, you will be a lot more inclined to go and figure that out than just sitting there and, you know, trying to reach out here and there, trying to create content. Like you need to set goals yeah. and priorities. Agreed. Manifest that shit. Like yeah. make it happen. I'm I'm totally with you. I think that just – it's about being methodical, I think. Like yeah. putting things – like I guess like practices into play versus just like in your mind like, oh, this is going to happen, you know? Like it's, it's it has to be more methodical. And it's all in that. your daily routine and your daily systems. Mm. You just need to find something that you can implement and hold yourself accountable for and just keep doing it and you'll see results. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. Rapid fire. So oh, <laughs> easy, I think. Okay. I think. What is one habit that's a non-negotiable for you? Mm. Breakfast, does that count? That's just non-negotiable. I don't care what time I'm waking up. This morning, woke up at six, I had breakfast, ordered room service. That's just non-negotiable. If I don't have breakfast, I will be cranky and I don't care what time I wake up. Also, whether it's 2 p.m., I can't have like lunch before I have my breakfast. Wait, what's your go-to breakfast? No, I must know. <sighs> well... <laughs> Give me give me a situation. Is it am I at home? Am I traveling? Okay, you're traveling. Traveling, avocado toast, okay. scrambled eggs, always eggs. Okay. <laughs> always. Some fruit. At home. At home, oatmeal. Okay. A chai latte. Eggs. 
I just need my breakfast. You're a big I'm egg a girl, big okay. breakfast girl, so that's my answer. Yes. Okay, this was this is an interesting one. I've I've never I'm very passionate about it. So, yeah, yeah, clearly, my God. <laughs> okay, if you could share one piece of advice that you'd give to yourself when you started off as a creator, what would it be? Stop giving yourself excuses and push through, because a lot of the time you wait for the perfect moment. Or you try to plan things too much. It, it just, just do it. Just create it. Launch and adjust. I've heard that actually on a podcast before, on the Skinny Confidential podcast. Michael said it actually. And that stuck with me, Lauren's husband. He was just like, launch and adjust. And that's something I'm going to back because I just think even being type A, I feel like sometimes I overcomplicate things for myself. It's like, okay, before I reach out to a brand, let me create the pitch and let me think of like what I want to do. And before I create the content, let me make a mood board, let me make a vision board, let me sit on it. It's like, no, just go create it, have fun with it. And if you don't like it, fix it for the next time. Like just start because the industry moves, things are happening now and you just need to take action. Could not agree more. I wish I started earlier. You know what I mean? Like I, I think of the days in high school where I'm like, I should have just started that YouTube channel. What yes, was I waiting for? Yes, yes. And I think that if you're waiting for perfection or you've waited till you got to perfect, you've waited too long. Like yeah. it's you should have done it before. And yeah. like this is like a big thing in Silicon Valley. And like I'm glad I'm with Nish because he comes from a tech background because it's like he's harped on about it forever and ever. Yeah. Where it's like, nope, we're going to market. It doesn't matter. Like fuck if it's perfect or not. Like you you iterate based on what your audience is saying it's true you yeah. know so really really sound advice for especially content creation like if you're thinking about a platform and making it perfect like just just do it today and people are nervous like a question I always get asked you it's like well like how do you deal with friends who may laugh at you and you know family who doesn't support you it's you know what when they see your passion and your drive they're gonna support it and I've had friends who didn't understand what I was doing at the start then now it's very convenient for them to like reach out you know and or other friends that are just like truly like so supportive and mm. just you know always root for me where at the start they maybe not have fully understood what I was doing but it's wanting it so bad that it doesn't matter what people think also one thing I've learned over time and like I wish I told myself this when I was in my early 20s that like if someone is hating on you right like malicious like meanness yeah it just means that they're dealing with their own insecurities because like let's be real Tony Robbins and Oprah don't have time to hate on anyone, okay? Like, they're busy winning. So I feel like people who are malicious and mean and say, like, bad things about you, like, that's their issue. It's it's actually, like, none of your business what they're saying about you. And, like, you just move on with your life. It's, it's a reflection of them. Like, no happy person is going to go out there and try to tear someone down. And even if other people's success feels intimidating to you, it's finding a way to celebrate it yes. and feel empowered by it and look at it as, hey, that's possible. Like this is done. I want that for myself. I'm like very into manifestation. I'm like oh, a big... Oh, don't get me started. Yeah, I know. It's like a thing we have in common, but it's like this concept of like one of the laws of the universe is like, I think it's like the, it's called like the law of one is all or something like that. But basically the concept is like if you have something and you've accomplished something that I really want in life. If you've done it, then that means that I can do it too. Exactly. It's, like, it's not like you are some like special, like, you know, specimen that God put on this earth. Only you can have it. No, it means that I can it's too. It's so true. And that's what I, that's honestly, I feel like the differentiation between even my course and other things out there in the market. It's I am you. I am the student. I was the student. Mm -hmm. I am a creator teaching you how to do this because I've done it and I'm not special. I just worked my ass off and I wanted it so bad that I made it happen. Yeah. I you love know? that. Love it. Okay. Last one. 
since this is the Dream Bigger podcast, what is your current big dream? Hmm. Well, it's not really business related. I don't care. It's a dog, <laughs> you know, <laughs> breakfast and dogs and I'm good to go. I just really want a puppy and I put that on my vision board for this year. Okay. So I'm committed to making it happen. And I think it's in my cards, but that's my biggest dream because I think for me now being married and you know, being in my late 20s, I feel my priorities shifting. And as much as I love traveling, and creating content, I really love being home. And I think a dog is a great way to start a family, which is probably my biggest dream is like to be a mom and have a family. But Aww. this is like the first step yeah. that I feel like is in my near future. And just to be happy. I love you know? that. That's really nice. That's and all I care about at the end of the day. Also, everyone should go watch your video on TikTok with the crying and the dog. <laughs> like, it is hysterical. It I was so sabotaged. I fully sat there in such a, like, fancy restaurant in Paris. Thankfully, my back was to the restaurant because I was looking at the dog park. But it's like, I want a dog so bad that when I look at dogs, I could cry on demand. Because I just think of, like, that unconditional love from this cute creature and that there I was just, this like, like need there was this sound in the background this like violin music that you because it's like this beautiful the, Parisian was, restaurant I was dead I could oh, not oh this the music yes, I put on it yeah it was, I needed to make it emotional it you know so fucking funny okay well <laughs> dog for you what breed do you want um I want a cavapoo oh my god so they're just like cute. so they're cute so they're the perfect cute. size I also want a dog I can travel with so you know I want to fit a dog into my lifestyle but make sure that he's a priority too so he needs to come on the plane with me but I just love all poodles and all poodle mixes and just oh my god well I'm very excited for this next stage in your life needs to tell everyone where they can find you shop the planner the chorus all of that so you can find me on Instagram and TikTok my handle name is Nitsan Raider. That's N-I-T-S-A-N-R-A-I-T-E-R. I feel like I'm giving my Starbucks order. And then Mind Your Business on Instagram is at Mind Your Business Official. And everything is linked there from the course to the planner. It's all in the link in bio. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif Hyder. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week.